0: Welcome to Combos from the Couch by Lifestance Health, where leading mental health professionals help guide you on your journey to a healthier, more fulfilling life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Combos from the Couch by Lifestance Health. I'm Nicolette Lianza, and on this episode, I'll be talking with Latasha Keltner a clinician from one of our LifeStance Illinois offices. And we'll be talking about gender bias in the treatment of women's health concerns. So welcome, Latasha. Great to have you on. Hi, Nicolette. Thank you so much for having me. And I I found several studies that report that women's health conditions tend to be more dismissed or downplayed by medical professionals than for men. So I definitely look forward to this conversation as we discuss the psychological impact of this issue. Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the things I want to add as well is that when we talk about women, we are recognizing as anyone who identifies as female or of course a woman. Yep. So let's kickstart ourselves here. Latasha, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. I'm
1: pretty open book. I am a clinician here in Illinois. I got a master's in forensic psych. I thought I was going to work on criminal minds for some reason but I love what I do I'm a former police officer mom oh nice and yeah I just I enjoy every day seeing who I can help how I can help and pretty much it
0: nice love that love the fact that you used to be a police officer as well that's pretty cool fun lots of
1: learning experience
0: I probably a good way to put that lots of learning experiences for sure so tell us some of your observations of how women's chronic health concerns or conditions may be typically more typically dismissed than in men and attributed okay. to psychological issues. Tell me more about that
1: Yeah, absolutely. What I learned from my own personal experience is that like when you go in and you meet with your doctor, most doctors are I was, majority of doctors, maybe just most, are men. they outnumber female doctors and men and women, we don't think like, right? So when you go in and you meet with a man and you're giving these concerns, I think that they're thought pattern is that, okay, these might be concerns, but it may not be something that rises to the level that we may think is very important or is serious. And because they think that way, it hinders some of the process of you really attaining the information or the care that you really need as a woman. And of course, because we know women's health, especially here in the U.S., um, is,
0: disproportionately less than what it
1: should be. I'll put it that way.
0: I see you're trying to tiptoe around saying it like, but that's it. We know that. We definitely know that. Absolutely. And as we dig in a little deeper, let's talk about more specifically how this affects women of color. Tell me more about that. So
1: I, okay. So there's gender bias, right? Yep. For male doctors and women, there's a pay gap, right? Male doctors make significantly more money than female doctors, about $2 million over the course of their career. And so if you look at, okay, you have these gender biases, and then you add the layer of like a race bias, there are so many like racial biases, especially in medical, where they believe that we can tolerate pain more than I guess my white counterpart. And even when it comes down to uh, equipment, right? There is really, you put it on your finger, it gauges how much oxygen you're moving, and it tells, oh, okay, you're good, 98%, 80%, hoping never gets that low. But for people of color, when they wear those, the device can't read it as well because of the melanin in our skin. So the darker you are. Oh, the- I didn't know. Wow. Actually, the effect, people can go look that up. They're holding a whole like meeting convention, whatever it is, uh, to address it. Mm-hmm. If I go in and I'm having difficulty breathing and I'm saying they can see me gasping and I'm having trouble, but the pulseometer says I'm at 98%, they're going to take that over me looking at me and how I'm presenting. And it's extremely frustrating. So not only do I have to come well prepared for these meetings or these appointments, but I also have to overcome the additional challenges that are presented because of misinformation in medicine mm-hmm. books like that they're teaching doctors every single day that are coming out and if they are cheerful and they don't want to they don't do extra research to see hey okay is this
0: actually an issue we're, we're beholden to what's in front of them. excellent point you already named a few of the possible reasons for this gender bias and racial bias any other ones you want to add to that Um, I think it's mostly
1: I don't think that it is malicious intent. I think that, I think it's just a lack of knowledge. I think it is a, the way our system, the way our government is set up and it's medicine is, it's built for a certain thing. They have certain partnerships and we honestly have to be our own best Mm positioning, knowing our body and Mm -hmm. being able to advocate because if not, it's, you get lost in the shuffle and it can be very frustrating and very overwhelming.
0: Yeah. Oh, definitely. I agree. So how can therapists be helpful for women who may have experienced some dismissive attitudes from medical professionals?
1: I will say that what personally what from okay, so from my personal experience, what helped me the most was me learning as much as I could about what was concerning me or what I thought my symptoms were and then advocating for that in a very fact based way. When I work with my female clients who are having this issue, I say, okay, so unfortunately, what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to remove the emotion out of the room. Because if you go in, it's the first thing that, you know, you're going to be labeled for. You're you're upset or you're emotional. This is difficult for you. And so maybe you aren't seeing things clearly, right? Mm -hmm. Take the emotion out of the room and write things down, write everything down. Have questions based on what you're experiencing. Have examples. You may need to take pictures of something that presented. If you have hides or if there's something else, take pictures so that you can provide that proof when you go in to meet with this individual. And also, don't hesitate to use the little my chart. All of these, they all have these now, and you sending messages through those apps in writing. I have a paper trail and I want my questions answered. And if you're not going to offer me, Um, the, you know, the the quality of care that I'm supposed to get, I'm going to keep pursuing it and you are going to be held accountable for it.
0: Mm -hmm. I love the fact that what you're doing with your clients is coaching them, right? Coaching them how to address this. And I think one of the keys is taking the emotion out of it because we're emotional about it. We're feeling we're not being heard. So of course (laughs) the emotion is going to amp up a bit. And also when our emotions amped up, then we might not be thinking as clearly. So writing it down, is very clear too. Plus you have evidence too, that you've been Mm -hmm. sharing your concerns. So I can see where it helps on both ends. How do we create greater awareness for this issue?
1: I, you know, what I always feel like is just getting the word out. It's so hard. Like we, so technology is everywhere. We have so many social media platforms and things. And it's like, the more we talk about it, I think the more aware people become women right now are there's so many things that are being decided for us with with regard to our bodies so this is just another piece which i honestly was the piece that came first just you know about talking about how we're treated when we walk into these offices and these spaces and to just really let every other woman know hey you don't have to you don't have to deal with that like you don't have to tolerate it there are things that you can do. There are steps that you can take to make sure that you're holding professionals accountable
0: how they are working. It's it's, it's that key of what you say is advocating for yourself and being assertive, which could be difficult for some people, but it's so crucial with this. Yeah, yeah. Any other takeaways you'd like to share?
1: Like really just... Be kind to yourself. You're mm-hmm. if you have if you're going through this and you're not getting answers. It's already it, your quality of life is already greatly depleted in your eyes and I think it is. So being kind to yourself and just letting other people build you up and pour into you and you know help you. I was a person that I didn't like a lot of people helping me because I was very independent and my body was strong and so I felt like I could do all these things. But you know when your body is the one that's attacking you and you're not right. a you need that community so i would say make sure have a community let a community of great right. people surround you and help you through the process so that you
0: can do what you need to while you're
1: waiting for your healing.
0: gosh Natasha, thank you. You are so inspirational. Like, um, you have me hearts like, yes, no, I think
1: this is going to be such a helpful episode. Good. I hope so. I'm still going through it. I'm three years in and I'm still, the battle is still waging, but I am healing. I've taken a lot of things from my own hands. So I appreciate you allowing me to be on here to talk to anybody else that might be going through this as well.
0: Thank you. We'd love to have you back on someday. Awesome. Thank you. I'd also like to thank the team behind the podcast. Jason Clayton, Juliana Whitten, and Chris Kelman. With a special thanks to Jason Clayton for editing our episodes. Take care, everyone.